Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago. And I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book, and The Inflammation Spectrum and Ketotarian. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, and there's lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. All right, let's get to today's guest. He is a good friend of mine. His name is Diego Perez, or better known as Young Pueblo. Young Pueblo is a meditator, writer, and speaker who is widely known on Instagram and various social media networks through his name, Young Pueblo. Diego teaches people around the world online and reaches hundreds of thousands of people every month through his written works that focus on the reality of self-healing, the movement from self-love to unconditional love, and the wisdom that comes when we truly work on knowing ourselves. His first book, Inward, was self-published and quickly became a bestseller on Amazon. His next book was called Clarity and Connection, a brilliant read as well, and also a New York Times bestseller. We are all going to learn so much from Diego in today's conversation. Stay tuned through the entire conversation because at the end, I answer another one of your burning health questions in an Ask Me Anything. All right. This is Young Pueblo's Art of Being Well. Diego, my friend, it's been too long. Yeah. Where have you been? All, where have you been all my life, man? <laughs> it has been a while, right? We haven't seen each other since pre-pandemic. I was going to say, we, we saw each other before the pandemic and maybe talked a few times since then via online and phone, but you were in New York the last time that we talked. Yeah, that's right. And we both talked, we both talked about, okay, maybe at some point, if the timing's right, like getting, you, you talked about getting out of the city 
and you're out of the city now. I think that was that's been the case for a lot of people as the pandemic kind of sped up this plan of like reimagining their life outside of New York or LA or wherever they were. What was that like for you making that move? That's exactly true. It's funny because my wife and I had this plan for a number of years. I think we were kind of like really building up this idea in our imaginations of moving out of the city and um, living out in um, the forest. And now, now we're doing that. You know, we're up in Western Mass, about three hours north of New York City. And it's been interesting. You know, at first the transition was very different from like very subtle little things where, you know, in the city, people are just doing their own thing and they don't really say hi to each other. But as soon as we got out here to the country, people were, um, they will say hi to you like they're your friend. And, and I'm like, I'm like, whoa, well, you know, what's happening here? And then without really noticing, you know, I totally love that vibe. I love community. So I'm like, I'm so into that, always waving to people when I'm like going out for walks with my wife and, you know, to, and, and then I go and visit the city and I step out of like my friend's brownstone and, you know, I see somebody crossing the street and I'm like waving to them (laughs) and saying hi. And they look at me like, well, you're you're crazy. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. But it's been beautiful, man. I'm really happy that we're out here. It's great to be in nature. And one of the highlights this summer has just been gardening. Gardening has been incredible. Let's talk about this. So I want to go back. Let's go back to just to frame this for people. And then I want to really dig into nature and you being there, how that's changed your life maybe in deeper ways. But let's for people that are newer to your work, how did you come to be what you're doing right now with Young Pueblo and just being creating this beautiful space on social media and through your books? It was, it's a, it's an interesting, but long journey. And sometimes it feels really rather just like slow to me where I kind of stumbled upon this part of myself that was, you know, full of creativity and excitement for writing because I didn't know that or discover that part until I kind of had my fall and just realized how all of these poor habits that I had picked up from avoiding my emotional situation that was happening inside of me. I really didn't want to admit to myself how much sadness I really had. And that led me to just like pursuing a lot of pleasure through partying and drinking and, you know, being out all the time and just developed a lot of nasty habits. But when that, when, when my body literally could not handle that anymore, I hit a rock bottom where I almost lost my life. You know, in some ways it was a, a blessing because I got to sort of reconnect and realign myself with wanting to help other people and like do good things in the world, not just live a really sort of self-centered pleasure centric life that was leading me nowhere. Mm -hmm. But then I started meditating and through meditating, I discovered like all this one that healing was possible, which really shocked me. It was like shock and awe. I was like, wow, this is real. Because in a lot of the Western world, we don't really have that sense of healing as being a real possibility. I mean, now things have changed, but you know, as when I was growing up, it just seemed like if you had something, you're going to have to deal with it for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. whether it was mental or physical. And now I'm seeing, you know, through my own experiences, I was like, wow, I really do feel better. My mind feels lighter. I feel freer. You know, I don't feel perfect or anything like that, but I can definitely compare to the past. I'm in a better mental state. Mm-hmm. And that just unlocked a lot of creativity. And I started writing about healing and just reflections of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I see you as a spiritual teacher to many people. I'm curious, do you see yourself as that? Or do you 
see yourself? No way. Okay. No, no. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I can't control how people perceive me, but how I perceive myself in my mind, I'm a, a student and an explorer. I like to share reflections and I hope that the things that I write, you know, people will find useful and that it helps them build self-awareness. But that's all I'm really doing, you know, because I'm not out there setting forward a path and being like, you know, this is how you go from X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. The way that I position myself is more so that, you know, healing is real and possible, but you need to find your own method, mm-hmm. your own sort of system, something that meets you where you're at, you know, whether it's a form of therapy or a form of meditation or whatever is out there, you know, there's such a wide range of things that can help people sort of navigate their inner forest. Mm-hmm. And that way I sort of am like a cheerleader in a way, yeah. <laughs> you know, telling people you, you can do it. I love that. So people know you most famously on Instagram, on social media as Young Pueblo. Where did the, where did yep. the name come from? What, what was the origin of that? Yeah, the name, it's also kind of a blessing too. It's, it's uh, a name that kind of dawned on me, sort of uniting my like Americanness and my Ecuadorianness. So I just took the word young, dropped the O and took the word pueblo, which is a word, you know, that's, you hear it all throughout the Spanish speaking world, but where I'm from, Ecuador, especially, it's a word that's really commonly used and it refers to the masses of impoverished people. But when I started meditating, I started realizing how, you know, I'm, I have a lot of growing to do, but humanity as a whole is really young. We like there's a lot of these fundamental things that our teachers tried to show us when we were very little, but that never fully became ingrained on the collective level. You know, things as simple as telling the truth, not hitting each other, being kind to one another, picking up after ourselves, cleaning up after ourselves. These are sort of really fundamental things that some of us may be able to do as individuals, but as a human collective, like we're not doing any of those things at all. We're struggling at them. Mm-hmm. And that because of that, there, that's where a lot of our problems stem from. Mm-hmm. But I think we're sort of in this transitional period where humanity is maturing. And you know, there are a lot of different things that are going to help humanity mature. And I hope that the the work that I'm putting out is one of the, you know, the the small things that's sort of pushing that forward, this idea that, mm-hmm. yeah, collectively we have a lot of growing up to do so that we can thrive better as a whole. Mm-hmm. Certainly. You talk about meditation and being such a major part of your healing. And you talk a lot about this concept of healing in your books, in your work, and meditation being this therapeutic tool. But for many people, they they know maybe one type of meditation, or it's like yep. a very nebulous term, and they kind of like, do I just close my eyes and breathe? What are the, you, <laughs> you know a lot about meditation, and I'd, you've even been Talk to you when you were just coming out of a silent retreat. I think that you've done those probably multiple times. So can you talk about like, what are the different types of meditation out there? Which ones have you have resonated the most with you? Yeah, I love that question. I mean, there are so many different forms of meditations out there. There are like, you know, upwards of hundreds, probably thousands. So a lot of them will exist in different traditions. So you can have different meditations that have emerge out of the Buddhist teachings or different eras of the Buddhist teachings. There's also a lot of different meditations. You can sort of go on through different parts of the world. There will be like, you know, different sorts of meditations, especially coming emerging from Asia. But it sort of depends on what you want for yourself. Like some of the, some types of meditations will be 
uh, bliss-oriented. Some meditations will be concentration-oriented. Other meditations will be purification-oriented. So the one that I do, the Vipassana meditation that emerges out of Burma, that's taught by Sayaji uh, Ubakan and Esen Goenka, both of them have passed now. That meditation is purification-oriented, where it's really trying to like cleanse the subconscious of the mind, because there are so many things that we are sort of consciously and unconsciously accumulating by constantly reacting. And when you start practicing in a way where you're observing reality uh, clearly, you know, within the framework of the body, a lot of these things get unbound and sort of cleansed from the body. And that process isn't necessarily, it's not easy. You know, it's tough. It's tough to be able to see yourself so clearly, but the purification is worth it because you come out of it, you know, not reacting as much. The intensity of your reactions has sort of decreased your mind feels lighter. It's easier for you to be oriented towards happiness and you gain insights, you know, about impermanence, about how everything's always changing. And those can be quite helpful because a lot of our misery is wrapped around our rejection of impermanence. Mm. Can you take us through what that school of meditation looks like? Could you, could you describe it to the, to the lay person? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this type of meditation is for, you know, it's for householders, it's for anybody who wants to go in there. Sometimes monks come and meditate with us too, but it is, so with this technique, you start off at a silent 10-day course and it takes 10 days because you want to fully learn the technique. It's sort of like a, a long guided meditation where they take you and you do uh, a few days of concentration practices, about three days worth so that your mind can settle down by being aware of your natural respiration. And then you move into the purification practice of Vipassana, where you just start observing the body and feeling, you know, what's actually happening there. And through that process, your mind just gets sharper and sharper, more subtle. And, you know, because you're not talking during that course, you're not, you're not writing anything down. You're not doing the typical things that you normally do in life, you know, because you're very good at writing, you're very good at reading, you know how to use technology, but you actually have none of those things. You're just with yourself and you're meditating through most of the day. And that just helps your mind get to a very subtle, deep place. And a lot of purification happens. So sometimes, you know, I remember one experience for myself was when I was meditating in my first few courses, I would have these moments where sort of anxiety would just like come out from within. And, and it was really tied to a lot of this anxiety that I sort of suppressed when I felt in the past. I wouldn't really allow myself to be with it. And when I started meditating, the anxiety would just kind of pour out of me. But what was special about it was that it was within a safe container, right? There was a teacher there. So like, if anything felt too intense, I could go and talk to the teacher and they could give me advice about how to sort of calmly just let this purification process happen. And it's quite powerful because now, you know, I still have anxiety from time to time, but nowhere near to the same intensity as before and feel really fortunate for mm. that. But yeah, it's 10 days and it's a big investment, but the returns of the investment are massive, massive. So they have to go somewhere physically then. You're, you're, you could do this yeah. remotely, you probably can't then to, to get the training, I guess. Yeah, so you have to go there, you're, you're in location. And also, you know, when I'm saying like it's a big investment, it's a big time investment, but the actual trainings are all donation-based. So if you, you know, if whether you come from a lot of means or not, there is possibility for you to go do the course because, I mean, I've done courses where, you know, they, they literally don't want you to feel like you have to pay anything. You can donate at the end of the course 
if you want to, mm. but people donate according to their means. So beautiful. it's pretty, pretty beautiful it's because, beautiful. yeah. We'll put the link in the show notes, but where could you have like the resource that people can go to if they're interested in learning more? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're, if you're curious about it, you can just go to dhamma.org, D-H-A-M-M-A.org. And there are meditation centers all over the world that teach the same technique. Got it. You all have probably heard of Way. If you haven't, where have you been? But Way, spelled O-U-A-I, has a cult-like following when it comes to their hair care products. Well, they have something brand new that I wanted to talk to you about. Way's new scalp serum and thick and full supplements are a complete solution for promoting the appearance of thicker, fuller, and healthier hair. I have to say, the ingredients in the supplement is super smart, super science-backed to support healthy hair. It's a vegan, one-a-day supplement with zero flavor that supports thicker, fuller, healthier hair. It reduces the appearance of shedding and supports hair strength. It improves your overall hair health, and it contains beauty-boosting ingredients such as biotin and pea shoot extract that promotes thicker, fuller strands. It has only vegan, gluten-free, and cruelty-free ingredients. In addition to the whey thick and full supplements, they also have a new scalp serum. The scalp serum can be used day or night with wet or dry hair. It contains skincare-inspired ingredients such as hyaluronic acid and adaptogens, which you all know. I love me some adaptogenic support throughout the day for sure. Grow all the way with Way's scalp serum and thick and full supplements. Go to theway.com and use code WILLCOLE to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, theway.com, using code WILLCOLE. Typical children's vitamins are basically, let's be honest, candy in disguise, filled with teaspoons upon teaspoons of sugar many times, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk growing kids really should never be eating. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes really great and it's perfect for picky eaters. Believe me, I'm a dad of a few. <laughs> I know how that goes. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they actually love. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. My kids love these. I love these so much. My stamp of approval for sure. And I've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash Will Cole because this deal is not available on their regular website. So go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash Will Cole. HayaHealth.com slash Will Cole and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. I'm Anisha Ramakrishna, and I'm an Indian entrepreneur and TV personality with big dick energy. 
You may know me from Bravo TV's Family Karma and of course, social media. I grew up in a very conservative Indian family, but I have always forged my own path and live life on my own terms. I recently left my successful career in New York City and my long-term relationship to pursue my own fashion business. I'm single in my mid-30s and I live with my parents. I'm currently cringing and I know you are too. Join me as I spill the chai on my own cringeworthy personal life experiences every Thursday, anywhere you listen to podcasts. So you go to Western Mass now and you, you are this sort of, you have such a firm foundation of presence in your life, even in the city. But I'm curious to see how, for someone that's already uh, living this life in, in a busy city like Manhattan, how was it going to Western Mass and how did you, how did that impact your health and healing at all? Uh, what was that like for you? Oh yeah, it reached new peaks of health. There were periods during this, because I've only been here for about a year and a month so far, but there were like levels of health that I've never hit before. Wow. <laughs> and where I was just like, holy like crap. Like I feel incredible. And you know, really got to a good place with my body, with my fitness, and also with a routine of eating well at home. And this is something that's quite difficult in the city because there are so many amazing, delicious restaurants. But out here where we live in Western Mass, you really got no options, you know? <laughs> and, and if you really are craving for something that you didn't make, make yourself, like it's a, it's a four out of five at best, you know, it's not, it's not going to be that mm -hmm. good. So my wife and I have just been cooking up a storm at home and we've been benefiting from that and just really following a good uh, diet that has really kind of met us where we're at. How about on a mental, emotional, spiritual level? Is it being in nature more? What, what type of effect, effect did that have on you? The fact that, you know, when, so I, so we have a room where we meditate. And so like my wife and I, we don't, we don't have kids. So we have like an, an extra room. So we're talking now about whether we're going to have kids or not having these really serious conversations. But in our meditation room, we, you know, we sit there and you can literally just like hear the symphony of birds that's outside. And there's something so, you know, when you literally have full nature right outside your door. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to parks in New York City where people would really do some avid bird watching but, and they would like to see a random like blue jay or something and get so excited. I'm like, dude, we got tons of those outside. You know, it's like, there's so many of blue ones, red ones, yellow ones, like hawks, eagles, like whatever you want, it's happening outside. Just look out the window right. and being like connected like that to nature and then having time to step outside and, you know, go in my garden and just like take care of it and grow food. It's like a part, I mean, personally for me, it's like, um, fulfilling a part of myself that I just would not be able to fulfill in the city. Mm, beautiful. So no, that's not to say nobody, it would be, if you live in the city and you have to be in the city, you obviously can still find these amazing things. I just, I mean, I guess what, what tips would you have? I guess go find a park, right? Get some green space. Yeah. I mean, I, even when I was in the city, I spent like, you know, I spent, I did um, three years in Crown Heights and I would spend hours, hours a week in Prospect Park, you know, either riding my bike or walking around or just, you know, being in nature. The other thing that's really cool is my brother-in-law, him and his partner, they live in the city, but they're part of this like awesome community garden where they're like, you know, growing up a ton of food too. So 
if you can access your community garden, you know, do so. And they're pretty accessible. So right. I think that's, you know, a good way to feed yourself. Perfect. And you mentioned gardening being your passion this past summer. Uh, yeah, what's yeah. Any gardening tips for people that are listening right now? Like what have you learned this year? Oh man, I'm such a massive novice. Like I'm really learning. I, th- I feel like this is only really round two of my gardening. Not, like I've only had two summers of super active gardening like this, but I would say, you know, be really careful about where you plant your zucchini <laughs> because your zucchini can just get out of hand, and just dominate so much of the garden. So what I'm going to do next summer is I'm going to actually open up a whole different plot because my wife and I love zucchini. We put it in our shakes in the love morning. It. We like freeze it and put it in there. But it can just take over a whole place. So we're going to give it its like separate area so it can just grow and be massive and, you know, be as wild as it wants to be, but away from the tomatoes and away from the cucumber. It just decimated the cucumber. So <laughs> <laughs> these egoic zucchini, I think that's a, a symbol of life, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's dominant. It's crazy. <laughs> so I, I, I was, I'm thinking something you said earlier about these different traditions around the world that have meditation at their roots. And so much of the listeners, obviously you and I being part of that, grew up in this Judeo-Christian world that yep. a, lo- a lot of that theology is mental, right? It's a very brain-based, very intellectual-based, yeah. very thought-based. It's kind of worshiping the thoughts in many ways. And I'm curious because from research that I've done, early Christians, early early Judaism mm-hmm. had wonderfully beautiful meditation. Uh, yep. It was a part of their spiritual walk, uh, but that's so much divorced now. I mean, do you have you? I don't know if you've ever talked about this or have any thoughts about this. It's quite interesting because they're definitely sort of contemplative, sort of meditative traditions with it, like exactly what you said in Judeo-Christian sects and. I think it's um, powerful the way different religions will have, you know, these ways to experience truth as opposed to think about truth. And that's something that I really valued from the meditation tradition that I'm a part of is like, I know how to think, man. I've been thinking yeah, my whole life, you know, down. like I've been reading, writing, you know, always doing these things, sort of living in the analytical part of the mind. But I realized when, as soon as I started meditating that the feeling part of my mind was weak. You know, I didn't really know how to feel. I needed to train myself how to feel what was happening in the body that I live in. And that is, you know, not only can you find a lot of healing through that avenue of being aware of what's happening in the body, but you can actually connect with mm-hmm. truth, like universal truth. Like, and when I, when I would go to meditation retreats, I would think about it as almost like getting a, a degree in universal law mm-hmm. because there are things that are just is true, whether humans are here or not. Mm-hmm. And no matter, you know, what idea you believe in or not, sort of like gravity, it's just, it's just there. Mm-hmm. And being able to connect with these truths of specifically of impermanence, it it's quite powerful. But what I've have seen and what I can comment on is that like one time I had a beautiful experience of, you know, because you can go meditate at these courses, but you can also serve at them. And one time I had the the sort of honor of uh, translating for a Catholic nun who came to the course, you know, and these courses, they're totally, you know, like non-sectarian, like, you know, anybody can come if they practice, they can benefit from it because they're just really teaching you how to clean your mind. And, and they're not trying to convert you to Buddhism or anything like that, you know? So people will come like Muslims, you know, Jews, Christians, Catholics, everybody comes, but I got to translate for her because she only spoke Spanish and her course was just so powerful. 
you know, because she'd been a nun for a long time. And so she already has a lot of that sort of uh, level of morality that can give your mind stability so that it can concentrate better and so that it can focus on what's happening in the body. Mm -hmm. And it was great to see her be so enriched through this experience. And I think it, you know, really helped her in her faith. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like these are principles I think anyone could benefit from. But I I, I talked to some people that are from that more traditional Judeo-Christian thought, mm-hmm. specifically Christian thought, is they're almost afraid of quieting the mind. They're almost like there's this visceral... Really? Yeah. It's like, well, I'm I, if I not think, what will happen, right? Because so much of, of our culture is built on this incessant thought. And if they... I've quieting the mind. I think a lot of people are afraid of quieting the mind, but specifically I see that amongst the more traditional religious things. I just wonder if you've seen that at all with, with people. Yeah, no, and it's quite interesting because I think about it too, in terms of this bridge that I've been building with my mom and dad, because I grew up Catholic and they are really supportive of my wife and I being avid meditators. But what's interesting about it is that, you know, in the beginning, beginning, we had to figure out ways to understand each other because this was so new, you know, especially coming from an Ecuadorian family. And for my, for my wife too, she's Jewish. And for her family, it was also very different. But the way that my mom thinks about it, she knows that like she loves saints and she thinks, you know, sainthood is real. And she thinks of this path of meditating as a, as a way to sainthood. Beautiful. And I, you know, I totally agree with her because it is a path of liberation. But liberation, you know, for most of us is very far away. You know, we can take these tiny steps and I'm over here taking my tiny steps. Like I'm not liberated or anything like that at all. But that's the way she thinks about it. And I feel like it's a very correct way of thinking Mm -hmm. about it. And she also always goes back to Jesus being in the desert. All those days that he spent alone facing himself, facing everything. Yes. And that time alone, like she understands the value of retreat and how much that can benefit yourself in your, your life. Yes, it's so congruent. It's so congruent. Uh, no matter where you're coming from. The concept of impermanence, I I think that's a beautiful concept that I've done some cursory research on, but I'd love if you could expound a little bit on that as just being this really important thing for people to explore. Oh, it's critical. Like I said earlier, I really think the rejection of impermanence um, causes us a massive amount of misery. And this functions at a lot of levels where we're constantly changing. So in terms of your identity, the way that you see yourself. Holding on to a static sense of identity can be pretty harmful because you want to conceive of yourself more as a flowing river where you're you know, changing, bobbing, weaving, sort of expanding, contracting, just moving about through life. And that allows you to have parts of yourself that once served you, that once felt really accurate as, as a description of yourself but then after a few years, that may not feel correct at all anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be something that, that just isn't um, part of your life and that you can't quite continue defining yourself in that way anymore. And that's like, like for, for me in my personal life, you know, when I stopped doing a lot of hard drugs, like I really felt that tension in my mind where I have to really put down strong determination and really commit to not doing drugs anymore. But now, like, I don't feel like I feel addicted anymore. I also don't feel like I um, am dominated by that sense of like having done drugs or, or wanting to go back. Like it's the, the last thing on my mind. It feels like it's just sort of gone. Like it, the, the river flowed on by and that was part of my life and it was great, very formative, but now I'm totally somewhere else. 
being able to understand how you change, how your relationships will change, and how you can continue loving the people who are close to you, but that love will be better served and more accurate if you love them for who they are now, as opposed to when you first started loving them. And just allowing everything around you to flow and change will actually put you in line and in motion with the trajectory of nature, as opposed to moving against it. Because if you try to stay the same, then you're literally moving against nature because everything in nature is constantly changing at the subatomic level, the physical level, the mental level, everything is always changing. Mm, Well said. I think of that quote, this too shall pass, which when something bad happens, I guess that can give someone consolation. But then even, I think that should still be applied to the good things in our life. Like you said, this constant changing, that's where we need to go. It's like not overvalue things that that are impermanent. And it it gives you presence, you know, It, it helps you step into what's happening in the moment. And I think about that, you know, I feel really fortunate to have my mom and dad but every time I hang out with them, I try to be really with them because like, I don't know how long that will last. Mm-hmm. And, and it's okay. Like that's life. You know, like a lot of people stop, you know, are so afraid of death, but that's, that's life. Like, you know, you exist and you will exist for some time and then you will no longer exist. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is for everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's fine to be sad when a loved one passes away, but also like we all knew it was coming and it's coming for all of mm-hmm. us. So instead of being so afraid of what will happen in the future, let's exist in this moment right now and let's enjoy the heck out of this moment and be with each other and sort of, you know, live in more joy as opposed to fear. Mm, Yes. People age at different speeds and the date on your license may not represent your inner biological age at all. Believe me, I see it a lot with patients and they don't even know it. If you're looking for ways to extend your health span and slow down accelerated aging, the keys to health and longevity run in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to improve your metabolism, reduce stress, improve sleep, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood analyzes your DNA and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And what I would recommend is to add Inner Age 2.0 to any plan. You have to check this out. For a definitive calculation of your true biological age, you will be shocked to see how you're aging from the inside out. For a limited time, get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. You have to check this out. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well. Again, that's insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well. I-N-S-I-D-E-T-R-A-C-K-E-R.com forward slash art of being well. Insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well. Lumian Skin harnesses the power of your immune system using hypochlorous acid or HOCL for short. As their hero ingredient in all their products, if you have yet to hear of HOCL, Lumian is making it a household name, one clear healthy face at a time. Lumion uses the anti-aging power of pure oxygen combined with the antimicrobial properties of HOCL to create vibrant, healthy, and irritation-free 
skin. Lumion is safe to use on breakouts, dermatitis, eczema, sunburns, and it doesn't stop there. Lumion helps with any skin irritation from that unwanted blemish to having too much fun in the sun. Lumion is your answer to clear, calm, and healthy skin like Mother Nature intended. I was recently out in the sun. I was on vacation with my family and this stuff calmed my irritated skin from being in the sun too long. Very much so. You have to check this out. And if you have breakouts, you have irritated skin, dermatitis, eczema, this is a game changer. HOCL was originally used as a wound healing agent and is making big waves for all things skin health. Lumion is dermatologist tested and approved. Lumion has three HOCL-based products, Miracle Mist, Miracle Mask, and the fan favorite, Save Your Skin Serum. I used that when I was at the beach. Lumion is run by two women who both had adult acne and were devoted to finding a safe and effective way to manage their breakouts. Today, they thrive helping anyone from their teens to their 80s boost their skin health and live confident and free in their skin. Use code WILLCOLA checkout for 20% off your first purchase at lumionlife.com. That's L-U-M-I-O-N-L-I-F-E.com, lumionlife.com. Use code WILLCOLA for 20% off. I'm curious through your meditation practices, your, 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 you digging deep into this acts of stillness, acts of pre- presence, do you have any thoughts on, is there life after death? I mean, people can have faith for certain things, but what's been your experience through, through your work? Yeah, I would say, I mean, people can believe whatever they want to yeah. believe, but from my experience, I have a pretty intuitive hunch that life continues in different sort of phases. Like, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but it just feels like this mental phenomena will continue moving forward. And even though when this body dies, it will end up, you know, mental phenomena will then connect with physical phenomena and life will arise again in some fashion or another. And, but I also believe that there is like, it's not a continuous everlasting thing that there is, there are these moments where, you know, you can get to where you'll never live again sort of like similar to what Jesus was talking about or like Jesus talked about never dying again. And the Buddha also spoke in a similar manner where he was like, yep, the holy life has been lived and no longer will like this form um, of existence take happen. Mm, yeah. I love that. Your book, I, I, we were talking a lot about meditation, but I, I was listening to the audio book of Clarity and Connection. Your vo- your cool. voice is a meditation. <laughs> just hearing you, <laughs> it's like, let's just call me heck down for a minute and create some space in our life. How, what was the, the impetus of that, of Clarity and Connection? Because N-Word was amazing. And now this book comes out, Clarity and Connection, New York Times bestselling book. Uh, How did it come to be? This one really... You know, it felt like a natural sequel and it just kind of mirrored my own life where I needed to spend time inside of myself, really focused on my own personal healing. And, and when I started navigating, you know, all of the different, uh, in, you know, the emotional histories that I carry inside of me, what emerged from that was a new sense of clarity and, you know, not a perfect clarity or anything like that, but just a little more clarity so that I can see others and myself more clearly. And that immediately started deepening my connections, like my friendships, my relationship with my parents, with my siblings, the relationship with my wife. It all became deeper because I could feel more of myself and thus I could 
like hold more space for them when they were feeling in, you know, when they were going through turbulent times, when they were going through a profound healing moments or anything, you know, I could be with them in a way where it was only possible because I had to reach a deeper level of being with myself. Mm. A lot of Clarion Connection was written during the first part of the pandemic. And a lot of the relationship pieces, I think, uh, were sort of coming up when my wife and I were just figuring things out in our small apartment. Because we did the first wave of the pandemic, we spent it in New York City in the Bronx. And it was a, a wonderful, beautiful test where we got to kind of like meet each other again because she, you know, we were both working from home and it was actually like a, a renaissance in our relationship. Mm. So do you, how do you, if someone's reading your work, reading that book, do you, wh- what do people typically do? Do they read a little bit at a time? Do they read it all the way through? Because they're little, they're, po- they're poems, they're meditations, they're, they're thoughts. Yeah, I think um, it's designed both ways. You know, it's designed, like if you're a really busy person, but you want to have something sort of in the back of your mind that you're contemplating, then you can open it up to any page and just get a few pieces and think about them. Some people almost use it like a, like a tarot or something where they just like open it up for a little bit of, you know, some inspiration for the rest of the day. And then a lot of people will just read it through over and over again, because it is a type of book where you can read it in like two hours because it's, you know, short pieces and short essays, but it's really, you know, it's built for self-awareness around yourself and your own process Mm -hmm. and how you manage your relationships. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned through the work that you you do and what you put out in the world, you mentioned your anxiety, uh, helping your anxiety profoundly, your relationships, the health of your, of your relationships. And that's really what Clarity and Connections are a lot about. Can you tell people that are maybe newer to this work and the benefits of meditation as a whole, like what are some other health benefits you've noticed in your physical body? Because we're always talking about in this show about this bi-directional relationship between our thoughts and emotions and you know presence yeah. and our physical body. It's mental health is in many ways the same as physical health. It's it, the thoughts and emotions impact physiology, just like our physiology impacts our thoughts and emotions. So from your perspective, what are some of the things that maybe you've seen in your own life, or I'm sure thousands of people have reached out to you on social media about the different things that have helped, like how it's helped their physical health? Oh, that's really, that's a great question. I mean, I know for me, like when I started meditating, that helped me just develop a new sense of internal fortitude that then I was able to like switch over and use that for my habits, like in terms of my eating habits, you know, in terms of like uh, how much I would exercise. And, and that really just made a massive physical change, but it was in a way I I first had to make my mind lighter for Mm -hmm. me to be able to do what's right for my body and not just do what I crave, but do what I need. Hmm. Being able to differentiate between the two has been so critical. I think a lot of people have been just reading these different um, pieces of self-awareness. And and I like to position them in regards to like building positive habits. But, you know, whether that habit is something like for you, whether it's like building boundaries or if it means like, you know, really supporting yourself and doing what's right for your body, it depends on the individual because people will be in different places. Like I find that I will focus on like internal mental projects in my own mind where I'm like, you know, really developing a focus of, you know, like, like when I did, when I started meditating two hours a day, like, I remember that was very difficult for me mentally 
to really keep going, to keep sort of building that. And I spent that whole sort of 2015 just focusing on that. Like that, you know, I was writing and doing whatever, but like that's where a lot of my mental energy was going. So it was like getting that down pat so that it would become second nature. But then after that, once that was down and I was able to just meditate two hours a day without having to really put a lot of determination into it, it felt more natural. I was able to switch that energy and then focus on my health. So like I sometimes just take well, like these big sort of personal projects and we'll give them like a year or two years and like get them to the point where it's second nature. And I think the the most recent project has been like, what is the right way to eat for to nourish my body, you know, for my wife and I, and we finally figured that out. And we figured out our systems where we can like, you know, treat ourselves if we are going to go visit our parents or visit her parents or go to the city. But then when we get back home, we'll come back to our rhythm, come back to our system that we know works for us so we can, you know, get a lot of rejuvenation. Mm, great. Great advice. So uh, the, the show is called The Art of Being Well, where we talk about the science and the art, the duality of wellness. And uh, this part of the podcast, I call it the Your Art of Being Well. This is Diego Perez. This is Young Pueblo's Art of Being Well, where we go over your favorite things within wellness. There's no right or wrong answer. I just want to know your favorite things so we sure. can geek out on it. Uh, what's one... If you were on a, an island and one needed to survive, you're talking about what would be one food, if you had to only pick one food, what would that food be for survival, for sustenance, if you had to pick one? Oh, wow. And a food, not like a supplement. We'll get, we'll get to supplements um, in a second. But let's <laughs> one food, I think I've been really getting a lot from my morning shake. So it. like the, the morning shake has been critical, man. Like, you know, no, no hard food in the morning. It has collagen, protein powder. It has cacao. It has blueberries. It has frozen zucchinis, cauliflower, and spinach or kale mixed in with water and hemp milk. Sounds amazing. And that that just like gets the whole system going. Yeah. But if I if I could have that, on let's a, do it on a desert <laughs> island. I would be I would be good. We'll get we'll get a blender <laughs> on that island. We'll be good. We'll be. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that sounds amazing. So what on the complete opposite side of things? What's one food? If you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, purely on taste alone, like health benefits aside, what's like that that food for you? Oh man. I mean, this this food is like the one that I try to stay away from, but it's so good. I love it. It's ice cream. Yeah, ice cream you know, is like good. Oreo ice cream is just delicious, <laughs> but it's also like it's a sugar bomb yeah. that just doesn't go well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> my 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 goal is to find better alternatives because I love ice cream as well. So like there are so many yeah. innovative brands out there that use better sweeteners or sweeten things with like a sugar-free alcohol, like a xylitol or stevia, which then by no means these are health foods, but they are healthier alternatives. So I have to, I'll give you some brand names afterwards. We'll, we'll get, yeah, hook me up, man. Hook me up. <laughs> uh, I, and to be honest with you, for the listeners are like, well, I want to know too. I have to, I'm not great with brand names. So I have to like go and research some, some ice cream mm, options mm-hmm. for you. All right. Next question. What are two supplements that have been the biggest game changers for you? Oh man, I love this game. <laughs> so we're really going out there now. So the newest one that is blowing my mind is HTB Rejuvenate. All right. Do you know I about that? Know Big Bold Health? No, tell me about it. Yeah, so we learned, my, my wife and I learned about it through like Mark Hyman and he was talking about HTB Rejuvenate. So it's not an immune booster. It's an immune system rejuvenator. Got it. And that's something that I think 
when as soon as we started taking it, both her and I were like, "What the heck?" Like we feel so much better because that's something that's 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 new for us. Where we, you know, there are so many different things that can boost your immune system, but we've never heard of something really rejuvenating rejuvenating it. And we've been loving Great. that. The other thing is, I mean, I guess I'm going to cheat. It's really high doses of omegas. Like, you know, taking, taking high doses of omegas, I can feel it in my mind, I can feel it in my heart. It feels great. And the other one that I think people sleep on is vitamin mm-hmm. D. Like vitamin D is the wave, man. Like vitamin D can really keep you healthy. It just feels like everything flows better when I take mm-hmm. it. So yeah, I don't know why, because I'm not a scientist, no. but I'm noticing yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it's responsible <laughs> for thousands of pathways. I mean, the data on vitamin D on so many different health problems, pretty profound. But I, I see, I know enough about you to know, yes, meditation, everyone knows you about that, but I know you're interested in wellness, like health and wellness, nutrition. Oh, yeah. Like this is, you live holistically all about this stuff. So the first one, the, the uh, rejuvenate one, what do you know the ingredients in it? I'm curious, like what the... Oh, it's um Himalayan like buckwheat. We'll put it in the show notes for people that are wondering. I have to check this out. Yeah, I honestly, yeah, I mean, check it out. Like I, it's also it's not that expensive. I think it's like thirty something bucks, but it's a it's a good company. Cool, cool. and it's coming from yeah. Mr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Mark Hyman. You no, know, he he knows what he's talking about. So. I mean, I feel like between you and Mark Hyman, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting everything I need nice, to know. Man. That means a lot. <laughs> all right. What is your latest? Are you into biohacking at all? Like something non-food, non-supplement, uh, like a wellness tool or biohack that maybe you or your wife are really into lately? I mean, I think the the biggest one, it's not much, it's not too crazy of a biohack, but I'm going to get more into grounding, like just getting my feet on the ground literally touching the grass and all of that, just walking around barefoot because I think it just like, you feel a lot better. And I have a friend who's like a very avid biker and um, he's funny because he's, he was, he's, he's the one who's been telling me about this, but he was saying that he'll bike for, you know, like 50, 60 miles or just this huge amounts. But then when he, whenever he gets tired, he'll get off the bike, take his shoes off, walk around in the grass for 15 minutes. And he's like, I'm good. Love it. And I can just keep going. <laughs> I love that. And it's completely yeah. free. It's completely free. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's obviously, there's no mimicking nature fully, but there's, uh, have you ever heard of PEMF mats, pulsed electromagnetic frequency mats? I'll, I'll get, I'll, no, but I've been thinking about, I, yo, hook yeah, me up because I, I, I want to get something like that for the yeah, winter. Exactly. Right. If we're living, I'm in Pennsylvania in Massachusetts, they're very much similar to the grounding and there's, inf, there's infrared on this one too, which is kind of a whole layer of benefits. It's cool. higher dose. Cool. I'll higher dose. I'll send you uh, information on it for sure. Yeah, that'd be great. And I, I don't like, I, is it, you're getting negative ions yeah. from it? You're getting negative. It's similar. Right? That cancel to- out all the... Right. So it's it's similar to the same mechanisms of things that are being researched with earthing, grounding, forest bathing, similar yeah. stuff. All right. Next question. What is you the latest book that you maybe in the not in the latest, but in the past year, what's one book that you've read that's really inspired you? And obviously everybody's gonna go get clarity and connection and inward. But for you, other than your books, like what have you read that's really inspired you? It's interesting because I've read more this year than I have in other years. But there's one story in particular that has been really sticking with me. It's this book called Seven Eves. And the especially the first half of the book, it's a science fiction book. But what I thought was so beautiful about it was how humanity came together around such a massive calamity that happened. Like they don't, they weren't, they never quite figured out why this happened, but 
the moon ended up sort of breaking into seven pieces. And this, like it eventually was breaking up into smaller pieces and it was going to create a situation where the, you know, the world was going to end. So humanity, you know, as if it happened now, it was like, what would humanity do to, to survive? Wow. And then basically the whole world started putting all this work into taking the International Space Station and just making it massive, making it huge so that it could fit like a thousand people, you know, a very small amount of people. And the self-sacrifice that happened in the book and all of that stuff, just, I found it so inspiring, so riveting. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of science fiction this year, which has been That's good. That's great, great. I have to check that out. Again, we'll put the link in the show notes. All right, before we go, last time we talked on podcast, at least, to the public, you were on Goop Fellas, my last podcast with Goop. It, you read a excerpt from Inward. I would love if you could send people out with just a meditative thought from clarity and connection. Do you mind if doing that? Yeah, I would, I would love to. Let me pull a page open here. <clears throat> this is page 126 in Clarity and Connection. Maturity in a relationship is not expecting your partner to constantly be happy. Ups and downs are natural. Giving each other space to feel heavy emotions while staying attentive and actively supporting one another is a sign of real love. Relationships are not about fixing everything for each other. They are about experiencing joy, joyful moments and tough times as a team and loving each other through the changes. Sometimes your partner needs to go through their own process to emerge lighter and freer than before. My friend, thank you so much. You're a blessing in my life every time I get to talk to you. Thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Well, This has been such a joy. At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. Now it's time for an Ask Me Anything. Today's question is from Callan. Callan asks, why do I crave sugary and carby foods? Great question. It's multifactorial, as most things are. So there's a confluence of factors to consider, but this is something that obviously I'm clinically monitoring and coaching patients on and really looking at the variables when it comes to the, the mental-emotional side and that bi-directional relationship between the mental-emotional and the physiological and tracking labs and food logs and data over time and patient experience and really exploring the science and art of food and wellness and the interplay between all of these factors. So the question here is pointed towards sugary, carby foods. Let's just preface this, no matter who you are, a lot of processed sugary, carby foods, they're known in the wellness space and even within the food space, really, as, as designer foods. A lot of these processed packaged foods that are marketed to us are designed to be 
very addictive and very, they, they're designed to make you want more and more. They're kind of, they're, a lot of them are empty carbs. They're really nutrient less, nutrient deficient. And they really play on certain parts of our brain from a primal standpoint to keep you coming back and being a really loyal customer. So this blend of, of salty, sugary, carby really plays on the pleasure centers of our brain. So that's kind of a separate conversation that a lot of people to various degrees are going to have these cravings, these insatiable cravings towards these foods because it's, it's intended to do so. It's playing on certain parts of our brain. But let's talk about the larger conversation uh, of cravings and what could be at play. As I mentioned earlier, it is multifaceted. It, it is a combination of different things to consider. But uh, you can even go back really to scent memory and a taste memory from our childhood. There's really compelling research looking at that. Certain foods really play on this sort of nostalgic side of things, which is interesting. We also have to look at blood sugar balance and metabolic inflexibility. And a lot of people are sugar burners and they're kind of needing to, to maintain that, that light, that energy, the, I, the analogy that I use in intuitive fasting is like, it's putting kindling on the fire. And if the fire is your metabolic energy throughout the day for you to feel good, you need, if you're in this sugar burning mode or metabolic inflexibility, you're sort of stuck in this kindling burning mode. And that's why one of the tools within intuitive fasting and within on all my books actually, and really what I, the heart of what I work on with patients is gaining metabolic flexibility to be able to be more flexible and put that log on the fire, be fat adapted. So you're not bound to those insatiable cravings and hangriness uh, that metabolic inflexibility will bring you. Uh, so there's definitely that side of things. One of the things that I'm tracking over time with patients is of course, blood markers, and we're tracking blood sugar, A1C and the metabolic panel there from a, a conventional lab side of things. But we're also, for some patients, tracking uncontinuous glucose monitors. And it is amazing to see the bioindividuality of how different foods for different people impact their own bioindividual blood sugar balance. And you need blood sugar balance to feel great and also feel in control of your day and not be bound by those insatiable cravings. So I, I think that's an interesting thing to consider for everybody here is to look at your own bio-individuality when it comes to food. And labs are very insightful. And tech is very insightful too when it comes to things like continuous glucose monitors and ketone meters. And another thing to consider here is the gut microbiome's influence on our cravings. We know the gut's a second brain. Your gut and brain are actually formed from the same fetal tissue when you were growing in your mom's womb. It's known as a second brain in the scientific literature. 95% of serotonin, your happy neurotransmitter, is made in the gut, stored in the gut. And this constant interplay, this, this bi-directional communication between your second brain and your brain is happening throughout the day, this constant communication. And the trillions of bacteria in your gut, collectively known as the microbiome, it's upwards of 100 trillion bacteria, depending on the study that you look at. To put that in perspective, you have about 10 trillion human cells. So we are all about 10 times more bacteria than human. And this microbiome metropolis, this, this microbe 
city is influencing our brain. And there's a lot of studies over the past 10, 15 years and things that I've really integrated into my patients' lives are really based on the research and the scientific literature looking at the interplay between these two systems of the body. But every month, there is more exciting science coming out of the scientific literature, looking at the specific pathways and mechanisms of how exactly the gut and brain are communicating. So one of many, the many other ways that have been explored in the studies is actually been found in a recent study published out of the University of Pittsburgh, my my city, my hometown, where my functional medicine telehealth center is based. It was published in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences just recently. And they found that one of the ways that the gut and brain are communicating is tryptophan, which most people have heard of that. They think of Thanksgiving, right? And that turkey dinner, which is a bigger conversation. I think it's less to do with the turkey, more to do with the carbs and the sugar, <laughs> That why people feel so fatigued and lethargic and bloated afterwards. But that's a separate conversation. But anyways, what the researchers at the University of Pittsburgh found was that certain people's microbes, certain people's microbiomes had different bacteria that actually released tryptophan, which is this essential amino acid that influences the brain. Because when it gets to the brain, tryptophan is converted to serotonin, which is this signal that's important for feeling satiated after a meal. And eventually that serotonin gets converted into melatonin that makes you feel sleepy. So this is very interesting when you consider the bioindividuality of people's gut microbiome, their gut garden, and how that influences what they're craving. And the microbiome is communicating with the brain to crave certain things. And we all have different microbiomes. And that's one of the things that we look at with patients is looking at their gut microbiome on labs, on stool labs, to understand their own unique bioindividuality there. The point is it's multifaceted and the gut microbiome, blood sugar balance, and scent and taste memory all play a part in why we crave what we crave. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. <laughs>